<laughs> Pot of gold. These stupid flies. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Ramble by the River. Pardon the interruption. But I'm doing some pest control. Because there's a couple fucking flies in here and I just won't have it. I won't stand for it, not on this show. Not on my watch. Saturday, November 26th, the year of our Lord 2022. And we've got a great show for you today. This is the death episode. We talk death, dying, the funeral industry, decomposition, ghosts, weird stuff that happens at funeral homes, blood clots, predatory business practices, and the existence of heaven and hell. All kinds of cool stuff. We go deep today, guys. So thanks for tuning in and stick around. If you would like to follow Ramble by the River on social media, check us out at Ramble by the River on Facebook and Instagram and at Ramble River Pod on Twitter. You can find all that stuff as well as the most recent episodes at ramblebytheriver.com. We've also got links there to the entire catalog. So if you want to hear any episodes from the back catalog, just go to ramblebytheriver.com and check it out. Ah, feels good to be here, back in the studio once again, doing what I love, recording a podcast. It's been a crazy week, truly, truly unprecedented in my life. I've seen fires, and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I couldn't find a friend. But I always dreamed that I would see you again. I don't actually know the, how that, that little stanza resolves. Regardless, it's a good song. That's a good song. I seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. You know the jam. You know that one. These fucking flies are driving me nuts. Oh my god. Well, nothing I can do about it. I don't know where they're coming from. Flies are almost like witches. They're elusive, mysterious, black, they fly around. Actually, now the more that I think about it, they're very much like witches. Kind of gross. Why are flies... Oh, yeah, they land on shit and rotting stuff. And they, at one time, were maggots. They're like one of the grosser organisms that we come in contact with on a regular basis. Right up there with rats. Fuck rats. Soulless little beasts. I want no part of rats. I don't want them in my life. I want a, I want a rat-free life. I've lived with rats several times. Don't care for it. I do not care for it. Two stars. Do not recommend I would give it a one star, but it is entertaining. And you're kind of afraid a lot if you're afraid of rats, which I was at the time. I'm not anymore for some reason, but you know, you live and you learn. And sometimes you heal your fears of rats. C'est la vie. I've talked about the house that I lived in in high school, which was a huge step up actually from what we were living in before, but I lived in a garage and there were some rats out there and I woke up one time to see them chewing on the underside of my mattress while I was on the top side. That was spooky. They weren't that big though. Not compared to me, I'm a human. And then there was the cabin. Oh, the beach cabin. That's what really gets me. 
I don't even like to think about it. It still sends a shiver down my spine every time. I can still hear the scratching, the squeaks, the thuds. Thump, thump. Squeak, squeak. Anyway, this beach cabin was small, probably the size of this studio. And the walls were thin. There was no attic or anything. The roof was really thin. It was probably six inches thick. Somehow these rats were getting inside and they had created basically like a rat farm in the ceiling slash roof of this cabin. While I slept below, they lived their little rat society. Somewhere in there, there had to be a rat king because they were letting out some hideous sounds. You ever hear a ball of rats? It'll haunt you nightmares. While I tried to sleep, I would hear them dragging stuff in to their den and eating it. These thin walls, it was like that paneling that was really like everywhere in the 80s. That cheap wood paneling with the thin vertical black lines on it. That real like oaky coloring. Everybody loved it. That was a hot look back in 87. Truly the only upside to having to listen to those rats scratching all night, pulling squirrels in, having their way, tearing little beasts apart, eating them for dinner. Generations rise and fall. I heard it all. And the only upside was that this cabin was like the size of an outhouse. And my sister had the bed, also had a boyfriend. I was on the couch with Homer the dog, and we had to listen to either the rats or her and her boyfriend. And I chose the rats every time. Because they was fucking, and I didn't want to hear that shit. It was truly disgusting to me. I mean, you get so accustomed to the sound of people's lovemaking from television and pop culture and the sounds, the sounds. People make the sounds everywhere you go. Ah, ah, ah. Completely recognizable, you know? You never mistake it. You hear the sounds from a mile away, you know what it is. And when it is your sister, it is disgusting. It is truly disgusting. Filthy. Just filthy. It made me understand how... Some guys like get all protective and I don't know, want to make sure nobody bangs our sister. I never really felt like that. I was like, I hope whoever ends up with my sisters are, they're nice guys and they treat her well and bang real good so that they enjoy their life and feel good. That's the kind of thing I like. I never had the protective shit, but when I had to listen to my sister having sex, that was a different story. I got it. I understood the the meatheads who are like, I don't, yeah, I get it. I'm just saying I get it. I wouldn't have done that. I still liked that boyfriend. He was cool, but uh, didn't care for that soundtrack. All right, let's move on. Fuck. This episode of Ramble by the River is brought to you by Ford Electric, 360-642-2137. Serving Southwest Washington since 1944, Ford Electric is the local standard for quality electrical work and outstanding customer service. But don't just take my word for it. Richard H. went to Yelp to say that the Ford Electric team were prompt, careful, explained things well, left clear instructions, and were generally cheerful. They actively planned to minimize any inconvenience to me, and they worked hard to make the new outlets work well and look good. Alan P. said, In less than an hour, Ford came in and repaired the broken thermostat on my baseboard heater, and then upgraded three of my old fluorescent lights with cool new LED disc lights. Thank you for another great service call. You guys rock. Jessica M. had this to say. Very nice staff. You can tell this place is family owned in a good way. And that's really cool. Everyone I worked with seemed to really care about the level of service that they provided. 
very helpful in figuring out what I really needed, since electrical work is not my area of expertise, and making sure I understood what was going on. We'll definitely use them again. Five stars. Five star review after five star review. All of them saying how wonderful it is to work with Ford Electric. Whether you're in need of someone to wire your new construction project or you need someone to call when the lights go out, go with Ford Electric. Call 360-642-2137 to schedule your electrical service today. I can tell you from personal experience, I know the guys who work for this company, I know the guys who own this company, and they are top of the line, cream of the crop, human beings. If you call them and schedule something, you're going to get the best service available, and that's just a given. So don't make the mistake of going with somebody else. Call Ford Electric today for your electrical service in Southwest Washington. One more time, that's 360-642-2137 for Ford Electric. All right, <clears throat> my guest today is a mortician. She's trying to get a new project off the ground to build a new cemetery slash, well, you, I don't know exactly what it's called. A not-for-profit funeral home and conservation burial park in Pacific County. She was a lovely guest, and it's my pleasure to introduce Melissa, the Mortician Meadow. Now I kind of feel bad I didn't bring my dog. I'm usually shadowed by Kermit the dog, like always, but my landlady wanted to keep him today. So it's like, yeah, go ahead. The dog, um, I've done a few podcasts with dogs. It's, yeah. it's difficult. Okay, good. Well, then I'm glad I didn't bring They it. breathe very loudly Ooh. and they scratch themselves a lot and you hear it all. But catch. They, uh, they do add some, some color. <laughs> I bet. Okay. All right. Yep. Those are for you. I've always been that person that had to go like that left. Me too. I still do all the time. Yep. Uh, I think it's because I was doing the Pledge of Allegiance. That's what I used yeah. to do. I would pretend I was doing the Pledge of Allegiance to figure out which one was the right. And then the left, you know, by default would be the other. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to make myself a quick drink. Go for it. I had no idea that you had had a couple different interviews with Jeff until like yesterday. Suddenly Jeff Hilton was lying. I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah. I know him. Do you know Jeff? I love Jeff. I yeah, love Jeff, Jeff. Jeff. He's so fucking cool. Do you know, just know him from the funeral game or? Okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten to know him outside of that, but. Well, he's, that's really where Jeff shines. Yeah. He's really good at that. Yeah. I, that best world. damn grave digger I've ever seen. I'm, I mean, I came from Texas and I've seen 20 years of grave digging. They were pussies in Texas. Jeff Hilton is like the John Henry of grave digging because he's like, they, they won't get a machine because yeah. he can beat the machine mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. Get one of those fancy steam grave diggers. <laughs> How long have you lived in Chinook? About six years. Where were you before that? Uh, I bounced around the peninsula a lot, but mm -hmm. I, I left to go to college and that's about it. Yeah. I've so you grew here. up here. I, I did, yeah. Oh, very cool. Uh, what about you? Um, I got here in April, but I've been heading towards this area uh, since 2002. And you came from Texas? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
So I'm just looking for that to not go red or... Yeah, if it goes red, which you'll hear. I'm too close. It's too, too close, yeah, but okay. they're good mics, so it, you can get pretty close and not blow them out too bad. Right on. Yeah, blows out, turn on a compressor. Nah, we don't need that. All right. I'm only used to this kind. That means I, I got the right one on Amazon. If you have one, then I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> I've, I've liked that mic quite a bit. It's yeah. pretty good. Awesome. From what I've seen online, it looks like the Blue Yeti is the mic of streamers. Mm -hmm. The This one is for podcasters and the MV7, something like that. The one that looks like this, but it's a little longer mm -hmm. is musicians. Rad. All right. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Ding. Glad to have you on. You're not our first mortician. Oh, I doubt it. Um, it's or don't doubt it. You're actually our, probably our third person in the in the funeral game. Yeah. Because Jeff Hilton, who we were just talking about, mm -hmm. is uh, kind of born and raised in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, we so should set the record straight since we just said on on the record that we were talking about him. We should say what we were talking about, probably. Okay, well, boy, that's going to hurt him. <laughs> that's going to hurt him real bad. You better tell him. Kermit misses him so bad. Oh, my goodness. It's just a shame. Um, I said that he was the best damn grave digger I've ever met. And I've been in the funeral game over 20 years. And I came from Texas. Those guys are pussies. And they're known for their graves. Yeah. Yep. That's high praise, Jeff. <laughs> All right, so looks like we're coming in pretty good here. I hope he's blushing. Oh, I'm sure of it. Good. It's my goal to get him on video digging a grave so I can speed it up uh, and put it on TikTok. Oh, that would make a good one. Yeah. Of a time lapse. Yeah, I really want to do that. I Someday. Someday. It's going to yeah. happen. Jeff, get on. Oh, he doesn't listen to the podcast. No. So he'll never know. I'll tell him. We'll have to <laughs> shoot him a text. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, congratulations. I just looked on your social media and saw that you are now a uh, three-state dual license holder as mm -hmm. a funeral director and an embalmer. Yes. That's a lot of certifications. Yeah. It just so happens these two states are so close to each other that why not get Oregon as well? Mm -hmm. And then I didn't want to let Texas lapse because I feel like mm, even if I'm not practicing in the state, it I don't want to let it go. Like, why would I want to have to take the law exam again? Are you going to end up in, back in Texas at some no. point? No. Mm -mm. I don't want to ever, <laughs> I don't ever want to move back to Texas. Now, if I duplicate what I'm planning on doing here in Texas, yes, I'll go back there to help that get off the ground. But this is home now. This is home. So what is that that you're planning here? I saw something about that too. I was very curious. Yeah. Okay. So... I am opening the first non-profit funeral home and conservation burial park combo for people and pets. Wow. In the U.S., in the whole United States. The only thing close to this model is out of Australia. It, was that an inspiration for you? Um, I found out later that, that they were the only ones. I thought that People's Memorial out of Seattle, they were initially the inspiration as well as the Funeral Consumer Alliance early in my career. But People's Memorial is a co-op. So this actually is the first not-for-profit funeral home. Wow. That's a, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. Great idea. I know. It was always gross making money off of 
grief. And I say that coming from a corporate background in mm-hmm. death care, not a small town. So what is, what is your background? Well, okay. So I graduated mortuary school 2013 um, is when I got licensed. I went to mortuary school in 2002. Um, initially, I was very interested in the art of restoring people that had been really, really sick so and, and ill and making them look whole again. The whole art of restoration, embalming, that's initially what got me into death care was being able to take sadness and make beauty from it in a way. And what ended up happening from that was I began to find out about green burials, natural burials. And I began to question, why are, why are we doing this? Why are we putting these people in these plastic liners or these concrete vaults? And why are we putting these chemicals in them that's going down our drains? And, and the more questions I asked, the more I upset people. Oh, upset the, the existing order, huh? Yes. Uh, and so that made me want to push even more and ask even more questions. So that kind of spun it out and it created the Modern Mortician, which is my online persona where I educate people on all the eco-friendly and legal forms of disposition that they can get. That's awesome. And how to get it. I have wondered quite a bit if that existed in the world and it's really hard to find information on that. I. I remember seeing something on the internet several years ago that was about these decomposition pods. Mm-hmm. So you, you get in this pod, it's a burlap sack with, uh, you know, clutching a, a seed of some kind. And then they, you know, throw you in the hole and bippity-boppity-boop, you become a tree. And that looked awesome to me because the idea of being embalmed, the process makes sense to me. The reasoning behind it has never made sense to me at all. Same with mummification to some extent. Like It seems like for a long time, humans have tried to resist the process of becoming part of the earth again after, yes. after life. And I think that sounds like the best part of death. I don't like the, the thought of being filled up with chemicals and preserved in that state, which I don't think that's me anymore at that point, really. But um, still, I just it doesn't it seems unnecessary. And my first question on my list, which I'm glad you, you started out with that because I was worried it was going to offend you, was just why do people embalm bodies in the first place? You're burying it. No one's ever going to see it again. Like why? Or they shouldn't be. Oh, I have an answer for that. I would love to hear it. So my 20 years in the funeral industry have taught me that the reason that they push for embalming is because it's going to lead to additional sales. It's going to guarantee an open casket funeral almost 100% of the time. They train us in our apprenticeships and our first job in a funeral home at a removal. They train us to ask for permission to embalm at the removal. People are distraught. People are upset. They're going to agree to anything because we're the professional. It's automatic guidance. Here, I'm going to adjust that thing for you. Right on. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, go on. What was I? So you're talking about how they, right at the death, they start with the, the upsells. They immediately ask for permission to embalm. They'll tell you it's because the body will look better if you embalm sooner. As an embalmer, I can say it doesn't matter if they've been in the refrigeration for six hours or they've been at room temperature for six hours before you start embalming. It's the same thing. We can wait until the next day. 
when the family's awake and informed. Yeah, so that was always something that really kind of bothered me. Besides the fact the upselling, one of the corporate funeral homes I've recently worked for, they would send in the salesperson first before the funeral director. So you'd have the cemetery salesperson out there trying to sell them cemetery property with multiple spaces, like a little lot for the family. And after they'd lock that in, then they'd send the funeral director in. Well, the family's already dropped 20 k And then by the time I'm in there, they're mad. <laughs> they're big mad. They want to go home. And they don't. what's your role in this, in this scenario? At that scenario, I'm coming in to get vital statistics information and show them caskets and find out what day they want to have their service. At this point, they're like, we already dropped 20 k That doesn't include this. Wow. Yeah. So you're just doing the admin stuff and it's an additional thousands of dollars? Thousands and thousands. Wow. Yeah. It was disgusting. That's when I found out about Titan caskets because people started shopping online for caskets and they've been doing that for several years now because I've heard of the Costco caskets before Mm. where people can go online to like Walmart or Costco and they can order a casket. Well, this Titan casket company, they provide for Costco and they provide for Amazon and they are small business Mm -hmm. and they have purple caskets, yellow caskets, red caskets, green caskets, plaid caskets, anything you could want, eco-friendly caskets, wool caskets, cardboard caskets, everything that they can drop ship direct to the funeral home. So the family's not limited to what's in the showroom. So anyway, this casket shows up. I find out about Titan And their pricing is just so much lower compared to what funeral homes have these deals with, um, with uh, a casket companies. Is that the same Titan that makes the rings? No. Okay. No. But, um, wouldn't it be cool if it was? Yeah. Who's the other morticians? Um, Liz Hilton and, um, and Jeff. I counted Jeff, even though he's not a mortician. He's, he's the grave digger body carrier. Um, never got to work with Liz, but... I will say that a family did tell me about how she went to their home with them to pick out clothes for their person from their closet. And just hearing that story about her was like, amazing. She's a very, very sweet lady. Awesome. I'm going to go listen to her episode. It was good. She she understands what people need when they're dealing with tragedy like that in a way that makes me super nervous. I, I would have such a hard time dealing with people grieving. Because I don't know that I know how to grieve, really. And I don't know how to help people do it. It's yeah. it's something that's very hard that we'll all have to deal with at some point. But how do you do How do you do that? I'm like a little teensy bit autistic. But on top of that, I do better with people when they're off their game. when they And that, that's probably the autism in me. I also am a teensy bit autistic. <laughs> and I have noticed the same thing. I do good in crisis. Yes. Like when, when nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I have a leg up because I'm used to it. Yep. Yep. That is when I shine. So, um, you can read, you read people it. like a book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's probably a really useful skill in that. <laughs> it is, but it's also very sickening when you work for bad people. Oh, yeah. So it's very useful in sales. Yeah, it is. And you think they were exploiting your skills? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the corporate funeral homes, they, they would set things up to where you're not making a living wage, You'd have to have these packages to make these bonuses to actually make it. And so that that was the last place that I worked before I came out to the peninsula. It was like, let's do this. Did you already have your plan in place when you came out here? I had had the business plan for this 
for over five years, and I knew I wanted to be on the coast. I didn't know where. So when I came out here and saw how beautiful the area is, like, I fell in love with Chinook the first time I drove through to go to Astoria. I was like, I like this a lot. It's a cute little town. Yeah. I like it here. And the more time that I've spent outside in nature and meeting people in the community out here, this area deserves it. Like, so deserves it. That's great to hear. Yeah. So tell me more about your plan. Okay. So... I'm going to open a nonprofit funeral home for people and pets that offer sustainable options, including water cremation, whole body burial at sea, and old-fashioned burial, which is also known as natural burial, where you're just wrapped in a blanket and stuck in the ground. No vaults, no caskets, no plastic liners, nothing. We're looking for land in Pacific County. I've just gotten the 501c3s filed with the state and federally. And we're working on getting all the committees built and having meetings. And then when we, when we launch, we'll have one facility where people can come for end of life for their pets. You know, if they want to be there for the cremation, every pet is individually cremated. So it's not like I've heard that currently multiple pets are cremated together and you might get your pet back um, depending on what you work out with your, your arranger. This t- this offering will be 100% of your pet back. Oh, so it's like they, they throw, you know, maybe 50 dogs in the thing and you they give you up 50th of the, the ashes? It's kind of like the way I understand it is. <laughs> no. It's like they're all in different pans, but they're all in there together. And you'll get, you know, there's oh, okay. so much commingling in the flame ones. But with mm-hmm. the water, they're all in their own individual container. I'm not familiar with the water. What, water burial? Is that what it was? Yes. Water cremation. Water cremation. Yes. So... Let me tell you all about water cremation, because this is really, really cool. Water cremation is the new eco-friendly form of disposition. Um, It is legal in 17 of the 50 states. Each state has to legalize it one at a time. Um, I left a state where I tried for four years to get it legalized and came to a state here where it was, along with the natural organic reduction, which we can talk on in a minute. But the water cremation, the body is placed on a tray that is put into, um, it looks like big opening for a ref- like a washing machine. So you like go in the front of it, but you're on a tray. And then you shut the door and the water comes in and it's 95% water and then 5% sodium hydroxide and potassium. And that's your corrosive. It's okay. kind of like lye, the same materials that they use in soap. Oh. Like the ladies down at the end in Oysterville, they have the same chemicals that I'm going to have. Okay. So it is. Yeah. Okay. It's like soap without the fat. Yeah. So it's just washing those, washing the structure apart. And yes. Just everything so, disintegrates. Yeah. It re it well kind of so it duplicates what happens in ground in a ground burial in six months within six hours. So it's like you turn into wrinkly fingers when you're in the bathtub. You just keep getting liquidier and liquidier. The water part of this that's left, when you consider you're 85% water anyway, it kind of looks like urine with a little bit of a gray tinge to it ever so slightly. And um, sometimes it's got shimmers in it because this liquid is full of amino acids, peptides, salts, fats, everything. Heavy metals, if they're in there. Well, yes. Um, not floating in there. They come out whole. What? Like the day they were installed, they could be recycled and put... Ooh, I'm sorry. They could be recycled and put into another person in the future. Wow. What do you mean? 
Okay. So like a hip implant, right? Mm-hmm. When we get those out of a flame cremation, they're burnt up. Like you'll have to see my Instagram post. I'll have to show it to you or I'll give you the link to it to share. But they are like burnt, charred up. Well, funeral homes can recycle that and they get paid for it. Oh, the titanium doesn't break down. Right. Okay. Right. Even the gold in the teeth, sometimes really? it's still there. Oh, cha-ching. Yes. So they do get paid for this recyclable material. Um but when it comes out from water cremation, it's whole. Mm-hmm. Like we would be able to give the family the little caps of the teeth back if they wanted them. And they're clean and everything too, huh? Yes. Sterile, wow. 100% sterile. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, they look like the day they got installed. Even breast implants come out whole. What? Penile implants. The saline. Oh, wait. The 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 coat, the bag is probably not saline, right. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It must be non not water soluble. So everything water soluble. Just disintegrates and whatever's not is still there. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, that mm-hmm. must be must be a trip. So like clips and stuff and bones. that you had in. Oh, bones don't go. Bones are left too. So what happens at the end of the process is that they are pulled out just like after flame cremation, and they're pulverized in a cremulator. Mm-hmm. So instead of looking like sand or kitty litter with flame cremation, it looks like talcum powder. Wow, just yeah. totally broke down. And it's pH neutral, so it doesn't actually harm plants because flame crematory remains... Real acidic? P- yeah, negative, bad. Oh, wait, is it acidic? Lie? It's it, p- acid, pH acidic. negative. Okay. Um, so, like, the flame crematory remains are acidic, yes. They kill plant life. So when people say, plant me with a tree, kind of you can't do that because it will kill the tree unless you do, like, a healthy mix of soil. Yeah, yeah. So it would have to be you compost the body first and then you bury it with a tree. If you just put a corpse in the ground with a seed, it would rot the seed. Yes. So that's actually the thing. I've done, um, there's a, people see these online all the time, these these egg things where the body's all like folded up in the fetal position. It's a position. cool little picture, but it's not real, right? Oh my gosh. These things are so not real, but it gets people talking about it. I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. <laughs> but you, you talked about it, and now you know that it won't work, just like the mushroom burial shroud is BS, too. But these products, the problem they don't think about is when the roots touch the body as it's heating up and decomposing, just like with composting, it's going to kill those roots. So you have to factor in for that, and all these people with these great ideas aren't putting the science behind it. So It has the, to rot before it can make new life. Yeah, so if you composted a body first, whether indoors at one of the big facilities or outdoors, or you were water cremated first, or even flame cremated, and and then put in the ground with a healthy mix of soil, then that's how you kind of get involved with trees. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's very reasonable too. I could I could get behind that idea. That's so much better than embalming. Uh, mm-hmm. Cremating seems okay, really, but it's like, what's the rush? Yeah. Just let me rot. Mm-hmm. You know, let me rot, and then put me in the ground when I'm. Soupier, or I like this water cremation. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, and the, good. the the here's a freaking awesome part. So we've got fires going on in Chinook right now, right? Terrible. Well, if my place were open right now, the fire department could go pick up a big old thirty gallon thing of effluent, the liquid from pet cremations, and it's considered a wet water. It fights fires. Wow. Yep. Maybe and do- it's dog slurry. Just like a liquid dog? Yeah, liquid dog. Your dog could fight fires, you know, and be a part of nature forever on the peninsula. Yeah. All those war hero dogs that they just Mm. uh, euthanized after their service, they could have used them to be heroes again. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. I keep hoping that someday Willie Nelson is going to hear about water cremation and he was he will have his effluent put into his product. What's his product? Willie Nelson grows weed. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I don't know any weed growers out here. I only know the ones from Texas. I, I You know Willie Nelson? <laughs> I um, saw him once, but we cremated his brother. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's a bit of a claim to fame. Yeah. Um, did he look like Willie? I mean, mm-hmm, before he... A little bit. He did? It's just the beardy stuff. Um, what's the last thing you want to hear after you just finished blowing Willie Nelson? Uh-oh, no, I don't know. I'm not really Willie Nelson. Oh. Yeah, no, you know. I don't know where I heard that. It was recent. <laughs> I did not write that, believe it or not. I'm his brother. Exactly. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh... Oh, so it, when you were doing the embalming, what kind of chemicals did you use? Formaldehyde. So there's a couple different brands, Enigma, Champion, Dodge, Frigid. Motherfuckers are just like the pesticide people. Mm-hmm. They use names that are like real awesome and in your face and like, ooh, that sounds like something I want to be around, but it's not. Now they have social media <clears throat> where they interact with even me on social media because they know how big of a following I have. And I play nice. But, yeah, it's it's getting bad. Are they made by Bayer and Monsanto or any of those, Dow Agro or any of those companies? So Pierce Chemicals is in bed with Wilbert Vault, who got a big money boost from Warren Buffett. Oh, Berkshire Hathaway? Yeah. And its subsidiaries? Yeah. That's a big boost. He's a, he's good at money. Yeah. So I'm trying to get into Warren Buffett and be like, hey, I'm doing a documentary that will hopefully get his attention. And oh. I can't tell you on the air who it's with, but I can type it because you probably know who. And then afterwards, you're going to want to have this person, the director on the show. Hold on. Yeah, I am. I just read today that Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway have to pay $200 million to help them remove Klamath Falls Dam, which is cool. That top name. I know that name. You do. I don't know where I know it from. I'll tell you after the show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The people with all the money seem like they could do a lot more uh, uh, as far as, you know, not poisoning everybody and Mm -hmm. fixing all that shit that they messed up. Mm-hmm. Or that their dads did, at least. Yeah. So maybe one of them will buy me that million-dollar property out there in Chinook so I can start sticking people in the ground. <laughs> yeah. I've seen this thing bouncing around TikTok lately. No one ever sees new cemeteries going in. Mm-hmm. It's just the same old cemeteries. They never seem to fill up all the way. But people keep dying. What's going on there? Cremation rate has mm. skyrocketed. So the funeral industry ignored cremation for years and years and years, just like they're ignoring water cremation and composting right now. Like most traditional funeral homes will not tell you about it. But people are getting wind of it online from their friends, different things like that. So do you have to have like certain licenses or permits to do burials certain ways? Could you do a Viking burial or could you put me on a raft, light me on fire and push me out to sea? Or, or would that require a special permit? Require special planning. Okay, we can do it. Here's what we have to do, though. We have to cremate you first. Mm. And then we put your cremated remains on a carved boat. This guy out in Long Beach carves boats. I found him on Facebook. I need to connect with him again. 
because I brought it up in a Facebook group. I need a carved boat so somebody can put the cremated remains on it, and then they're going to light the boat on fire and, and have it sink. Oh, so the boat has to be shaped a certain way so it burns right, still floats, and then eventually sinks. Yes, and he did it. And two people from the Facebook group went and bought it from him, and I haven't even seen these boats yet. Wow, that sounds really cool. <laughs> but I need to go see them. But yeah, so you, you, can, can, you can get cool. Well, you can do cool stuff. Yep. I even want to have open air cremation out here at some point. I feel because of the native land that it would be a possibility to be able to offer that. They do open air cremation in Crestone, Colorado, and I've been there and done some research. I wonder if the native peoples of this particular land did that. Or they I, did. Did they? There is actual, uh, I'm going to have to actually, I'm gonna, I don't want to say for sure 100%. I feel like somebody gave me an article that that was done out here. So I'm going to find it. wouldn't surprise me. There's so many smaller little cultures that are all kind of grouped under the same yeah. uh, banners to us white people uh, <laughs> most of the time, which is a total shame because it, it's so much was lost by that uh, whole disgusting genocide, cultural genocide and actual genocide. Agreed. I imagine some of it in this exact spot that we're sitting, too, because this was really, I don't know, 200 years ago was probably a thriving Chinook village. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it'd be interesting to know what their practices around death are. Oh, yeah, where people are buried around here. I know, well, Jeff's probably the one that knows that stuff <laughs> more, more than I would at this point. But I'm going to find out. I'm going to learn it all. I dug a few graves with Jeff, and uh, it's hard work. That's mm-hmm. a lot of dirt. Do you have to move six feet deep? And it, I don't remember how it does in like 10. How long How long is a, is a casket or a, the liner? 10 um, feet? He's going about seven and a half feet long, I oh, think. Oh, that's not bad. Well, yeah. the body's got to be over six feet long. Usually about six. The caskets are 52 inches. Hmm. Okay. So. Um, uh, yeah, that some people are going to have their knees scrunched up in the front of that thing. We break them. Do you really? No. Oh, my God. I just pictured Kathy Bates in Misery hobbling Ed Harris. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now, there's some former bosses I wish I'd done that to, but no. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, when I dug the grave with Jeff, um, or I, I've done a few, but this one in particular I remember because we dug it down to six feet. And right when we got to six feet, which is where we were planning on stopping, we hit a cement floor, which was actually uh, the top of a, a casket or a cement something uh sarcophagus i don't know what the proper term liner liner yeah. it was big though it was like um took up the whole hole so the grave was already filled and it was just buried super deep and he said that's not the first time that's happened and there was no marking there was no no it wasn't listed there's no way to know who's in that box that's happened in every cemetery out here in pacific county every one of them yeah it happened at least two that i know of um that Jeff has told me about that I wasn't there for. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, there's some some shiesty stuff keeping. going on in the olden days. Or, Maybe that too. I mean, why were they burying people so deep? It was that is ridiculous because even these days in the corporate cemeteries, they're not going that deep unless they're going to double stack them, uh-huh. which doubles their money. Why not? They which should. They that have been. Sense. Yeah. So or especially like couple plots, like where two side by side. I'd rather get my wife laying on top of me anyway. There you go. That sounds way better. <laughs> Actually, really, probably without anything in between us two. Just, I mean, assuming we die together. But they're all full of water. Just know that. That's okay. So am I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all float here. What culture it, throughout history, including our own, do you think has the most um, off the wall death practices? Definitely the Egyptians, especially with the crap that's going on right now where they're 
about to unearth Cleopatra. She really? said, no man will ever find my grave. It is a woman archaeologist down there. Oh, shit. And they found yeah. it? They is think, it confirmed? They think that this is her area because it is underneath other things that they had no clue. They just found like a whole bunch of them. Sarcophagus. Sarcophagies. Isn't it crazy that Cleopatra's life was closer to the iPhone than it was to the building of the pyramids? Based on current evidence, according to Google, Cleopatra was born around 69 AD and she died in 30 BC. So she was only 39 years old. Sad. According to National Geographic, also via Google, the pyramids of Giza, which are the main pyramids that you're thinking of, were built roughly 2550 BC. That makes 2,052 years between the death of Cleopatra and the introduction of the iPhone. Whereas if the pyramids were built in 2550 BC, from that time up to the birth of Cleopatra would have been 2,481 years. That's bigger. I got it right. Back to the show. Really? Yeah. What? That's Isn't that wild. bizarre? By a lot. We're not, we're not that old. I mean... Our history that we know yeah. of is not that old. Lately, though, I've been questioning that because I'm watching this Graham Hancock thing. Mm -hmm. it, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, Ancient Apocalypse. Okay. He thinks he's a, he's a historian slash journalist, and he thinks that there was an ancient civilization that was advanced and had technology that we don't even have that existed uh, 12,800 years ago mm -hmm. and uh, up to 11,000 something um, years ago. Be, and then it was wiped out by a massive cataclysm that lasted like a thousand years, which was our planet passing through the torrid meteor stream, mm -hmm. which we still do twice a year in June and November. We are going through it right now. Cool. Yeah. So if you've seen any shooting stars lately, those are the torrid meteors, uh, torrid meteor stream. It's the tail of an ancient meteor that broke up and smashed the fuck out of Earth. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's a cool show. But uh, it... it kind of it questions all of the uh, archaeological record and it, it completely uh, pisses off archaeologists because their you know their career is built on a story that that they helped mm. to build based on such tiny minuscule amounts of evidence and they attach their identity to it and then all of a sudden a new evidence comes out like the sphinx having water erosion on it yeah oh, from like yeah I don't remember ex what the numbers are. Last podcast, I said the wrong thing, I think. But yeah, a long, long time before uh, we are aware of there ever being like jungles around Egypt, it's been a long time since that was the case, like yeah. before the last ice age, probably, and um, or shortly after. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know that. But the uh, a long time. Basically, they can prove that the Sphinx is older than we thought, and uh, uh, mainstream archaeology doesn't want to buy that which i can see why but it's pretty cool lots lots of shit that um we're learning new stuff all the time mm -hmm. it's it's pretty neat it reminds me of funeral directors it's like these old guys the old guard does not want to let go of the way that things have been done just like they didn't want to let go of embalming to make way for cremation and they don't want to make way for the water and the flame i mean the and the organic reduction so very similar the old people Old guard. It's just the old guard. They don't yeah. want things to change because that's how they make money. That's how it's been, and it's comfortable. 
Yeah, young um, people can get involved in that just as easily if they're benefiting from that system, but it's hard yeah. to get in. Yeah. If, unless you're old. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So when you start your new project and um, this, is it, you said it was going to be co-op, right? No, mine's not going to be co-op. Oh. Uh, the one in Seattle is co-op and the Australian one's nonprofit. This will be a nonprofit, a not-for-profit okay, cool, cool, cool. funeral home and burial park. So it'll be a place for people to be buried that don't have income or if they don't have a place to bury or cremate a pet. Um, it'll also be a place where if people wanted like the most prime little spot in the woods for burial. They could choose it. What would be the funding mechanism? Um, our funding mechanism is going to be a baseline for services, what they cost, but with a qualification for how to get the no cost services. Most of our income will come from pet generating like merch sales and things like that. You got to really capitalize on rich pet owners with small dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, they're easy to transport. They don't take up a lot of space. Your, your, your materials costs would be low. And those people really fucking love their dogs. They do. And you lose more pets in a lifetime anyway than you do your people companions. And by training people how to take care of their pets in death, like offering home vigils before cremation or offering transporting from the vet to home for a final goodbye. Provide a complimentary portrait. Yeah, different, all kinds of different things that you can do that just aren't being done that will help us to be able to provide the property and the free services for other people. We're still working all of the pieces out. Have you considered taxidermy? No, not yet. Let them keep their dog. I have my cat. Really? I do. Um, I, it's a story. Story time. Okay. So my bestest, bestest kitty, her name was Bella Lugosi. Great name. Yes. When she died, I had her euthanized at home, and then I kept her overnight for a vigil, and the next morning I took her out to Eloise Woods Natural Burial Park. Well, in my distress, being the green burial wizard and all-knowing that I am, I got a beaterlack blanket, which is kind of like a Pendleton. Mm. They're, they're not real material. It's like fabricated material, Synthetic. right? Yes. So I buried her in a beaterlack blanket. Well, years go by, the burial park gets sold to somebody, and I'm like, I want my cat back. And the blanket. Yeah. So me and two friends go with shovels, and we go and we dig my cat up, and then we get her out, and it's nothing but soil and bones. And I have some of her soil. Wow. It's amazing. But the bones, we collected them. We took them to my friend that did water cremation in Pflugerville. And I kept some of the bones, gave them to a taxidermist who mounted them inside a beautiful glass jar. She's, she's got butterflies on her. It's just beautiful. It's like her skull and a few different pieces. A hundred years from now, somebody's going to find that. And they're going to be like, people used to be so weird. And they're going to think that we were all like that. Well, when I have my burial park, I think at some point I might bury her there. But I'm just kidding. That That is super fucking weird. But I, I don't judge you for it. I think it's awesome. I made a keychain out of a crow's foot when I was a child. Rad. Everyone thought I was weird for it. You do your thing. Oh, man, it's going to be a nightmare when Kermit dies. I'm going to be wearing him around my shoulders for weeks. Yeah, you sign up for a pet. <laughs> you're just like, here we go. Heartbreak. One decade away. Yep. At the most. Yep. It's like sad. I just lost my Daisy last mm. December. It's been almost a year now. And it was horrible. She got cancer. And I was like, I'm pretty sad about it because I think I gave it to her by stressing her out too much. We, we renovated our house. And she, uh, it, it's probably just 
the devil trying to attack me and make me sad yeah. <laughs> because it's it's not my fault. We had to renovate it's our not house. Your house, but it's not um, your fault. No. I just I could not stop thinking about the the particulate in the air and her her home is torn apart and she just was really stressed the whole time. Mm. Um, and she's you know, but she was ten, uh, so she was just starting to get into the old dog territory. She still had more time, mm-hmm. and um, but she didn't got got real sick and I had to have her put down. Um, it was it was really hard. But, really sorry. Yeah, it, it was way harder than I expected. I I always thought it was going to be um, easy because it's a dog. Mm-hmm. And as much as I loved the dog, I uh, I just did not anticipate it hurting as much as a human. And it does. It oh, yeah. shockingly does. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't go way quick either. Maybe two weeks ago, I was hanging out with my wife and my daughter, and uh, we were talking about whether or not she's ever seen me cry. And, I, and she said she hadn't. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty sure you did see me cry when Daisy died. And she's like, well, how did Daisy die? And, oh, yeah, she told me it was my fault that Daisy died. That's right. Oh, my God. And um, I was like, it definitely wasn't my fault. She got cancer. And she's like, well, you gave her the cancer. And uh, it made me cry again. <laughs> and oh. This was just like two weeks ago. So it, it, the, the wound is still there, even if it's got a scab on it. I just, I really loved my dog. Mm-hmm. She was my best friend for 10 years. Yep. I, I, she was the longest running relationship in my life other than like my siblings and my parents um yeah dogs are dogs are really important huge that's why it was so important for me to incorporate pets into what i was doing from day one like people think of them as family yeah especially in this day and age and i've worked for so many funeral homes that didn't treat it that way like one of the people that i worked for in the past several years a community member's dog died and i was like oh I'll, i'll put it on our on our on our website and they were like, why is this dog on our website? And I was like, well, it's Mrs. So-and-so. And we took care of her husband last year. We don't do this. Hmm. How do you not do this? It's your community. So yeah. that's that's when I implemented doing it on my own personal website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. It seems like the community aspect of it is important to you. It is. It really is. What, what motivates that? I was raised basically by my grandparents and my mother. Every weekend in summer, I would be with my grandfather at the cafe in small New Home, Texas, small town New Home, Texas, like listening to him and all the old men talk business, or we'd be at the farm store, or we'd be out in the field, like on the tractor, like hoeing cotton or transacting business at the bank. Like I was raised in a small town atmosphere where we went to like the small town football games every Friday night. Even though I didn't go to high school and and junior high with these kids, I really appreciated it. So when I got into funeral care and was working initially outside of uh, Lubbock, Texas, in a small community, it was the networking of being able to help the people that were in your network. Like what was different to me when I got into the bigger funeral homes and it was like corporate and numbers, you didn't have time to connect with anybody. And it was disgusting. It just didn't feel good. It felt gross. And so... Like a business. Yeah. Not like something that was a crucial part of life. It didn't feel heart-based anymore. It felt dirty. And that, and you think that that is something that is a crucial part of, of funeral care is heart-based? Personally, yes. I don't think everybody needs that. Not everybody needs that. Some people are like, oh, just throw me in a ditch. 
Their family might not think that though. Right. I, I would say that is mostly the case. I, I bet a lot of the people who are like, oh, I don't care. Just throw me in a ditch. I bet 99% of their families would really care. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, so like some of the things that I am shocked to find out. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not shocked to find out. But people don't know that they can have their loved one at home for hours after they die. There's no rush. You know, we've got time before refrigeration has to happen. And beautiful things can happen when you have a home funeral or a home vigil where people come and pay respects at the home where the person has died. One of my most memorable green burials was back in Austin, Texas. Um, After the gentleman died, I brought a cardboard casket to his home and set it up in the living room with like markers and paint and things. They had a camera set up with Zoom. So the kids were talking to each other about what to paint on the little cardboard casket. He was lying and stayed in his bedroom. We had some like, until I got there, his wife had put a bag of freezer frozen peas on his belly. (laughs) So, I mean, you can even improvise. Uh But these days, everybody's got gel packs. So you just few gel packs strategically placed and just to keep them keep them fresh just keep them cool keep Mm -hmm. the temperature the core body temperature just a little bit cool you don't have any emergencies or anything no problems that makes a lot of sense that sounds way way better and it's so peaceful like the families that i've seen that have gotten involved in the care of their dead in that way seem to recover in grief better when i see them later than the ones who had their person taken from them and put put away and then they get back a box when they have a little bit more interaction in that goodbye. It's just it, they seem more at peace when I see them later. They get to process it on more than just a conscious level, like the deep levels get to see it and really understand what's going on. Yeah. That, so that's that person why, might be gone. Yeah. So that's why if, if I'm able to offer that through pets first, like showing people you can have interaction with them after they're dead and say goodbye and things like that. Maybe people will feel more comfortable about having that for their people too. I I think you're right for sure. When I had my dog put down last year, the vet came to the back of my truck. I had her sitting with me in the the vehicle and I just sat in the back seat with her and she laid her head on my lap and went to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I pet her and um, sat with her for probably like 45 minutes. And they came and checked on us and made sure she was gone. And then I drove her out and I had already dug a hole and um, just, I did it all by myself. The act of, you know, bringing her to the hole and putting dirt on her. It was a very visceral, like real, like putting the dirt on her body. I remember feeling very emotional, like just to see the, like, it's not just the, uh, the fact that I've lost this relationship. It's the fact that it's, this is an old thing that's happening right now. I'm, this is a process I'm engaged. This this feeling, this process is bigger than me. And this is something that people have been doing forever. And I'm like, I'm doing that human thing. I'm being a human right now. And this is real. And, it, and I loved that feeling. And I kept telling people like, it was a beautiful death if there is such a thing. And I, cause I cried the whole time. It, like it was super painful, but I, I still kind of, I, liked the the idea that I was getting to have this real experience. Yep. It's, I, I see that in the death care that I do. And that's what I want to bring out here. Um, the years that I had, like watching people lower their own loved ones into the ground for natural burial. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a whole different thing than what we've been conditioned to think is normal. Yeah. How does this affect the way that you see your own mortality? 
Um, <laughs> I'm still scared. I don't want to die before I get all these things done that I want to do. It drives me. I think it drives me to get these dreams done. Have you tried psychedelics? Yes. Did those affect the way you see your own mortality? Um, yes, they did. Um, I'm scared to start the next chapter till I get this gone. I mean, I want, I want this one to be beautiful. I think that's a good, a good impulse because you're, you're just, you're not ready. Like you understand what you're here to do and you're, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I remember one time I almost got hit by a truck. Uh, I was riding my bike and I was struck by the fact that the, the thought that went through my head, I was probably like 13. And the thought that went through my head when I thought I was going to die was, oh, fuck, I'm not going to know how Harry Potter 4 ends because I was reading Harry Potter and I was really into it. And mm -hmm. that's what I cared about. As like, I wasn't finished. I wasn't ready to go. Yeah. At, at that time in my life, that was my task. I think that we all have a, a task. It, and if you don't, you're depressed and mm -hmm. you feel aimless and, and it's it's a bad feeling. We're, we're here to do something. Like your first task is to figure out what that is. Mm -hmm. And like, I th it seems like you have done that. So now you just have to do it. That's the hard part. Yeah. Thinking about it's the fun part. Doing it's the hard part. So what's the next step? The next step um, is, <laughs> I don't even know. The next step is, I've got it set up in five different phases. We've got our board. We've got our committee members. Then we have to get money together. So phase one kind of consists of a storefront and a van and a mortuary cot. That way I can take individuals to refrigeration across the river with another provider, and then I can take them to the water cremation facility until we have our own built here. The water cremation facility is currently in Kent, Washington, mm, but I want to have one built out here in Chinook. Oh, wow. So that's like four hours away, right? Or three mm, a, three It's three. three. Yep, it's three. But do you do it in batches one. or you just every time you want to do one? Every Everybody is cremated individually. Um, I can transport two deceased individuals at a time on their own cots in the same van. So they'd be side by side. Um, some vans are built to be double-deckers where you can actually put two up top and it has a lowering thing and then you put two more. But the goal is that we wouldn't be in a storefront very long, that we would have a place that had a footprint to put in the first machine within the first year. So okay. I wouldn't be driving to Kent. Yeah. Um, because we can get our own machine installed as soon as we have space for it. So then you just need a regular van because you're really going to be just moving mm -hmm. one at a time. Yep. That makes sense. That's yep. cool. So do you have to find backers or do a, a funding round? How do you do, how do you do a project like that? Um, we are building something out possibly on start engine. And then I also have uh, tiers that people can join in on. So since it is a nonprofit, they can either choose to invest and get their money back on it. Or they can choose uh, to have a tax write-off, a big, beautiful tax write-off. Wow, those are some great options. I know, right? And and you're helping the earth. And so how would people find the information they would need to make a donation or to become involved? We should be ready to get donations going as soon as our federal is approved. But currently, everybody should watch www.theend.green. You own that website? I do. What a great domain. How did you get that? I Googled it. The end seems like it would be taken. That's a steal. The end.com was taken, mm. but I'm not a dot com. I'm, I'm dot green. Yeah, you can do all these cool dot whatevers now. It's I nice. Know. Dot house, dot edu. Well, mm -hmm. that one's a known one, but there was dot, I don't know. There's dot life. 
I thought about doing the end dot life. That's kind of a good one. It was already bought. Oh, it was yeah. too expensive at the time. Yeah, I might go get it later. Wait, I already forgot the one you actually have. What is it? The, the, the end, end dot what? Green. Dot green. Dot green. That I like that. I'll remember now. Yeah, sustainable funeral care. We put people, pets, and planet over profit. You can't even make a profit, right? I don't want to. So all that's going to be a kick-ass business because everything goes right back in the business. Back into the community. Which is the same thing. Mm-hmm. The Businesses big, make communities. Mm-hmm. The big, big goal for this is, okay, imagine like 10 to 20 acres of burial land, like forest, where people are buried in the ground marked with flat flagstone markers and GPS coordinates. You have different sections walking past. Then there's even little like cabins on one section where if people want to come back the year after you've been buried and plant a tree, they can stay in one of the overnight cabins. Or somebody has died in Seattle and the family's all going to get together the next weekend out here for a burial and they all come down into one of the little huts and their loved one is there and they have, have vigil with them. I want those kind of options. I want goat yoga. I want a grief camp for children in the summer. I want all the things. I want death doulas involved. I want oh, wow. them in the death community. Doulas. Yeah, I want to be able to support healthy death education and care. That sounds wonderful. And not just here. I want it to take off to other places. Like I have other cohorts, co-founders, other funeral directors that are going to take this same model and they're going to replicate it in Maryland, California, South wow. Carolina, Texas. So would it, it almost sounds like a, a death summer camp like the the fun part right <laughs> like i mean with death doulas and ghost yoga goat yoga oh well do you worry about ghosts in these cabins you know what that would be kind of cool to, to advertise it as ghost yoga in october yeah i'm gonna take note of that goat yoga that's <laughs> that's a real thing right yeah and then the okay. goats could like keep the cemetery like cleaned up my in-laws were taking pictures with goats on their backs and they have little mm-hmm. mini goats and they were talking about goat yoga. I thought they were just making it up. That's, no, it's but that's real. A thing. Yeah. They did it in Austin. Wow. That's they, cool. On top of the grocery store, the, the Trader Joe's, they'd bring the goats out and make us do yoga. You, you don't, you're not concerned with goats. The fact that they have soulless dead eyes. They do scare me a lot. They but... scare me. They definitely scare me. Goats, yeah. uh, rats and bats. Those three animals are, uh, they don't have souls. I'll say know. it. I'll say it. I had a pet rat, and he was really smart and really sweet. Rats. So I would, okay, I'll take that back. The pet ones. Rats do have souls, but they're still fucking evil. Okay. But they do have souls. You can say that because <laughs> they are intelligent and they have relationships and moods. Yeah. Like they're they're. I have a psychology degree, mm-hmm. so basically all of pop psychology, pretty much most of it's done with rats. Oh. Um, so everyone who thinks they know a lot about psychology, you just know about how rats think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can see the benefit of rats, um, but also they get tortured in that uh, in lab setting. It's pretty sad. Here's another idea that I want for my place. A place like if people die and they've left their pets behind and they're like senior pets and they You'll can't get adopted. You'll round them up and bury them with them? No, they can Pharaoh live style. out their life there. It's okay. a hospice for pets. Oh, cool. And then also one eventually like a little cabin hospice place, you know, like if you can't die at home or you don't want to die in the hospital, you get to go die there and then you can just push you out the door into the hole. Build a chute. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the chute at the fire department in Long Beach? No. They have a slide. Really? Yeah, you should go. 
That's really cool. I, I was I too scared to. to go down on Halloween. I was face painting out there, mm-hmm. and they had people going down the slide. These kids were like, mm. they so, had to put a big bumper at the bottom. Do you, were you face painting just because they need, needed somebody, or are you an artist? Um, I used to face paint at Six Flags for years. Oh, so you're an artist. I am an artist, yeah. Are you good at it? I'm very good at face painting. Wow. What do you paint? Uh, I like do unicorns and like swirly things. Oh, those are big hit. Yeah, usually I just tell kids at this point to say, what do you want, you yeah. know? But back at Six Flags, we used to have like a big board with all this stuff behind us, and we'd compete. Like, there'd be one girl on the other side of the register and, and me on the other, and you'd try to go through your line as fast as you could to see who could sell the most. What's your favorite thing to draw or paint? It really was the unicorns the on the unicorn. faces, yeah. Do you still do any kind of art other than face painting? Well, um, I should. I have art supplies. I have been depressed for the last six years. Very, very, very. Well, that very. really puts a, a, a hamper on your artistic be- abilities and totally. creativity in general. Yeah, I'm just starting to be creative again. How? So six years is a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. And you are you coming out of it now? Yes. Yeah. Is this project kind of a part of that? A hundred percent. Yeah. Having purpose is huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. I, I struggle with depression from time to time myself. It can be a, uh, a sad fucking world. <laughs> Sometimes you look around and it's just like, God, is there anything happy? Mm-hmm. Is anybody happy? That's what depresses me the most is looking around and seeing how many people are miserable. And then when you finally do kind of find some happiness, there's so much misery around. It like drags you down. It's like the crabs in a bucket. Yeah. They all want, no one's going to let another crab out of the bucket. I try to be a crab who's just trying to push the other crabs out of the bucket. I want people to be happy. Go, go, be free. I think that shit is infectious. Yeah. The more people you're surrounded by who are genuinely happy, the happier you will feel. Yeah. It's just, it's common sense. So what else do you do to fight the depression? Hmm. I get out with my dog a lot. So Kermit is usually, like I said, my sidekick. What kind of dog is he? He's a Border Collie Aussie mix. Oh, my God. He's probably such a shit sometimes. He's amazing. Brilliant. Amazing. Those are smart dogs. So he had a brother when I adopted him, and I know who adopted his brother. Um, We stay in touch. She lives in California now. His brother was all over the place, but he was very, very reserved when I met the two of them. And he was at a shelter four hours away from me. I saw him on Pet Finder in the middle of the night, and I drove there the next morning calling on the way. I'm like, I'm coming to look at this dog. And I scooped him into my lap, and he just sat there, and it was like, that was my guy. And I took him home, and he went on a death call with me that night, and I introduced him to his first dead body. And the way I did that, I put him on a cot next to the decedent. We were at the crematory, and I was getting ready to place them in the refrigeration. And I just uncovered her face, and I was like, look. And he leaned forward, and he just kind of sniffed her. He was like, cool. He can tell when things are dead. He knows when things are dead. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) I I know dogs can tell when somebody's pregnant. Mm. They can tell when somebody has cancer. Mm -hmm. They can tell when somebody's carrying drugs, obviously. Um, They can tell when you're high. They can tell all kinds of stuff. They can tell when you're sad. They can definitely tell if you're dead. Yeah. Yeah, They're very smart. So that immersed him immediately. And then... When I started going on removals, after I got him trained, he became the first certified therapy dog in death care in the state of Texas. Cool. Yeah. And he's the first one out here, too. So hmm. um, so but, he's a dual state uh, death guy, too. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't practiced in Oregon yet, but okay. we'll get him there. Um, so, yeah, he's really good with working with people, like knowing, you know, you've seen dogs when you're sad, they go up to you, they put their head on you. 
some of the feedback that I was getting from the last funerals that he worked were just people were like, I want to tell you, your dog just came right up to me and just seemed to know I needed him. I was like, yeah, he's really good at that. Does he know it's his job? Uh, yeah. This it, it's is... crazy how good they get at just knowing where they're needed, finding their need and then being mm-hmm. there. And a lot of it's emotional. They're really good emotional companions. It's pretty cool. Totally. You can see how we have evolved together, dogs and humans, mm-hmm. because that connection is just innate. You don't really have to work very hard to establish it. It's kind of just there. Yep. And and not all the time either. It's just like with people. You connect with some of them and some of them you don't. Right. <laughs> For real. It's pretty interesting. How do people usually react when you tell them what line of work you're in? Um, it's been a mixed bag. They're either grossed out or they're intrigued. Mm-hmm. And I'll drive it either way. You know, if they're grossed out, I'll continue to push it. Um, just because you have to talk about death. You should. Yep. Because it's 100% guaranteed you're going to die. Yeah, and so are all the people you love. Mm-hmm. You might as well think about it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be horrible. No. It can be special. It can be It can be something that we don't dread. Yep. Like, especially if you think about the afterlife. Mm-hmm. What are, do you have specific opinions about what you think happens after life? I was raised one way. And because of that, there was some trauma involved. So now I... I don't really know exactly what I believe. I wouldn't put it in a category, but I believe there's something different. Um, I don't believe that's the final end. Um, and then working in death care with so many different religions and so many different cultures and what other people believe, you can take a little bit from everything and make something whole that's that, that what feels right for you. Yeah, I think you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. We have too good of access to information. Mm-hmm. It, that's something that cultures have not faced in history that we know of to have this much information and this many choices in everything of what you're going to eat, what, who you're going to worship, who you're going to fuck, who you're going to, you know, it, it's all of it. You get to just pick. Mm-hmm. You have choices forever. Yeah. And decision fatigue is a, a real thing. Definitely for me, I get tired of having options all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just want to be like autopilot. It's hard if you're constantly making considerations all the time. You know, that's why women say, I don't know, when you ask them where they want to eat. They just want you to pick. We're just tired. Yeah. Decisions too many. <laughs> that's the classic scenario, too, because that's the case. You, The woman just wants the man to just, just pick, but pick the right thing, you idiot. <laughs> and that is true. Because <laughs> if you don't. Are there really women that care where you pick? I don't care. Oh, that's what you say. I, oh. This, if we're in a car driving, looking for somewhere to eat, and you say that to me, it's a trick, 100%. Okay. There's no way I ever believe it. Okay. Also, if I tell you I don't care where we eat, it's not true. I do care. You like I just don't want to uh, pay the price that comes with choosing. I don't want to have you to. You got eat. it. That's I don't want to have to pay. I don't want to have to deal with your sour attitude if we go somewhere that has shitty food that you don't like. Okay. Yep. I agree that with you. Case. It's mm-hmm. it. But that's fatigue. It's just because you're tired. Yep. Tired of processing emotions of your own and of other people. Yep. Are you into food? Are you a foodie? I like cheese. Oh, God, I love cheese. Yeah, I need to find a really good charcuterie board on the peninsula. Mm. I heard Salt had one. I think they most likely do, but that seems like something you should make at home. Like, you could really get it really, really One day when I have my goats that do yoga, I will have goats that make cheese. Cemetery cheese. (gasps) Oh, that'll be good. I love goat cheese. That's how we'll make money. We'll sell cemetery cheese. We'll sell cemetery flowers that are grown from our affluent 
And you could even have some cemetery soap. Oh my gosh, I'm going to talk to Diane. Because you can get the, the, the chemicals wholesale. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah. You know, you're going to have an access <laughs> to fat as well. Yes. <laughs> Fight Club cemetery soap. Oh my. <laughs> um, that, that is something though. Like some of the more uh, innovative, maybe crazy people in this industry might consider using humans as a resource because mm-hmm. all of that bio matter, I mean, could be harnessed in certain ways as energy, fuel, mm-hmm. and, and such. Have you heard of any crazy ways that people use the bodies after they are no longer people? So there are laws currently with the human compost where it can be dumped, where it can be used. It's not supposed to be in the city limits. In small amounts, you know, families can have little sections of it. But that that begs the question, you know, are, they're not going to want people growing stuff in this. And then what is the grade of the compost that's coming out? So we should kind of talk about the composting that's going on right now. There's two different ways that it can be done. It can be done in a warehouse or it can be done in a natural burial park. And the example I'm going to give you is Herland Forest in Clickitat County. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I think so. Clickitat. It's, yeah. it's probably native. I'm always go clickity-giddy-giddy. That's a pun. <laughs> so what he does is he's got these, imagine a refrigerator box and that's made of wood. And then you've got a plastic liner or something on the inside and you've got gauges set up to monitor your air and your moisture. And it's set on these big wheels that look like those things that hold all the cable, you know, between oh, telephone spool. lines. Yeah, those. And so he has this thing set up on a track. And the decedent is laid in there on some local mulch where he sources it from there. And then every couple of weeks it's rotated on that on that long wheel thing. And he's got pictures of it on his website. Done out there. Over the course of three to nine to six months, depending on what time of year it is, and you get the bones broken down properly from the tumbling, the grade may be a five, you know. But then you've got some of these facilities. There's three different ones that are out there now. One of them is Earth Funeral, which is the one I've partnered with for the future to provide composting to clients that want it. The other two, Recompose and Return Home. Um, they all kind of have the same setup. They're in a warehouse. Earth funerals put more into their technology, so I feel more comfortable using them. But what we're having a problem with, with some of the composting that was coming out earlier, was the grade wasn't good. They were coming back with chips, bone chips in them. They're, so one of the companies has an auger set up inside. They don't. You hear about the composting, human composting. You don't hear about the auger. You don't hear about the bone grinder. And that's what they're not being transparent with people about, besides the fact that you're keeping your body in a vessel indoors for two months. Is Um, it less sanitary? It's not that it's less sanitary. It is pretty sanitary process. Um, But what's happening is halfway through the process, if you're not being, you know, twirled around by the auger during the process, you're getting dumped out on a conveyor belt. Sorry. And then put through. Have you ever seen those metal grinders that like eat cars? Yeah. They put all the material through that. It's like a big crunching thing that processes the bone. That's not resting in peace. No, it's also probably, I mean, I I mean, I imagine it's to speed up the process of yes. the decomposition, but does it actually on a molecular level? Because doesn't don't the enzymes and bacteria and stuff have to actually break down the matter? So they're having problems with the grade of the soil. Oh, that's um, what that means. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's all the intel I've been given. Mm. Um, but um, So it's just ground up people. It's not decomposed people. Correct. And that's not the same thing. 
they're not being transparent with people about how the process is done. So people need to do their research if that's the kind of disposition that they want. Where also are those materials being brought in? Canada, Ohio, you know, for their, they're not getting it from their land. They're bringing it in what the materials to build all of those little um, metal boxes that are going in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. So it's greenwashing at its finest. I know Katrina Spade from when she first started the project for Recompose, which was the first one that took off. Um, she wanted it to be accessible and affordable for families in urban settings because, you know, there was no space for cemeteries. And it's definitely not at $5,000. That sounds actually relatively cheap. It sounds like it is, but it's not when you consider that cremation is running around 1500 at this point. Wow, that sounds really cheap. That sounds like definitely the easiest option for most people. And it's the most toxic. Really? Well, outside of the embalming, you're putting all of these precious metals into the air. Mm-hmm. Um, what is melting um, is going up mercury being the main oh, yeah. one. Um, and then just the fossil fuels that it's burning, you know, going through the stack. How long does it take to heat through somebody completely six hours wow that's longer than i thought but that makes sense because it takes a long time to cook a turkey (laughs) and that's not going to go burn yep you get down to the bone and then you scrape the bone out after it cools down enough and process it in a blender Hmm. but not a big cruncher like the composting thing it's a little bit i mean they're still grinding your bones end of story that's okay with me yeah but don't advertise it as a natural and gentle way to go if halfway through the process you're dumping them out and crunching them up like a car. Yeah. It's like, I have a problem with that, just like I have a problem with making everybody get embalmed. I've gotten emotional watching cars be crushed that way. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine a human. <laughs> I know. Uh, we really did have uh, one of those car crushers. On my, my dad ran a body shop when I was a kid. Oh, wow. And he, his, a friend of his had one of those car crushers, and he set it up out front. And so... Eventually, we had a lot full of cars, Ooh. and they were getting crushed all the time. But we crushed our family van after the, that I we had been like our childhood van, uh. and uh, I remember feeling like, "Oh, that's so sad to watch that get crushed." It's like one of our family members get it crushed. <laughs> that's our buddy. Um, so th- that's a great analogy. Well, how cool that you were there for its final disposition. Yeah, exactly. Like you sent it to the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> People get really attached to their vehicles. Mm-hmm. It, to where, like, I get attached to my vehicle, but not not like a personality. Like, I don't name my car or anything mm-hmm. like that. A lot of people do that. I think of it more of like my outer layer, like my my outer la- most layer, like my jacket and then my car. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's I have pockets in there that I keep my shit. It's like <laughs> it's it's part of me. It's yeah. not not necessarily like my partner. It's like my coat, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in a rural area where you have to drive everywhere. Yep. Do you ever have nightmares? Uh, about my job? About anything. Um, yes. So it's been a while since I dreamed. I noticed that whenever I smoke marijuana, I don't dream as much. And I've marijuana is my coping mechanism. <laughs> or you at least don't remember them. Yeah, that. And they're um, not as vivid. Yeah. But earlier in my career, I used to dream um, about sending people to the wrong funeral. Different things like that. Like open casket and it's like, who's that lady? Yeah, or having their own clothes on them. And and why are their pants on? <laughs> We're late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you have any of those recurring nightmares that those uh, like archetypical ones, like you go to school without your clothes on or uh, all your teeth fall out or anything like that? No. 
You've never had one of those, huh? Well, when I was younger, I used to have this recurring dream about going to this witch's house. I have one of those too. Yeah. Let me hear yours. Uh, so it's like it's we go to her house and there's I'm trying to get through it. It's almost like a video game puzzle kind of thing you have to get through. And I'm losing family members along the way. And uh, I, I've never gotten all the way to the end with everybody. It's always been me at the end. And so kind of, you know, you look back at it like now, maybe that's what I was talking about. Why mm-hmm. were witches so scary before Harry Potter? I know. I was terrified of witches. Oh, it was Wizard of Oz. Oh, fuck yeah, it was. That movie's dark. <laughs> that movie has been popping into my head and my life a lot lately. Do you uh, believe in synchronicities? Mm-hmm. Do you follow synchronicities? Yeah. So I am a major observer of synchronicities, and I've been having Wizard of Oz synchronicities lately. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm not going to list them because as the nature of synchronicities, they are insignificant to mm-hmm. everyone except the person who's experiencing them. Right. Um, so nobody wants to hear that shit. But uh, suffice to say, I've been having a lot of them. The Wizard of Oz is popping up all the time. I think the original way it got started is because I was talking about how Somebody who worked on the film killed themselves on the set, and you can see his body's shadow hanging in one of the scenes. He hung himself on the set. Familiar. Yeah. That's just spooky. And there's lots of dark stuff like that on, the, on that movie. Also, the snow in that scene where Dorothy gets all sleepy. Fucking asbestos. Yep. Yeah. And they got a lot of exposure to it. Up. Yeah, tons of stuff like that. Dorothy, I think, was probably not Dorothy, but um, Judy Garland. I think she was harassed and abused on that set as mm-hmm. well and everywhere else in Hollywood. They treated women so shitty back then. Uh, Hollywood, mm-hmm. they probably still do. Hollywood's a fucked up dark place. So it's the funeral industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is there some uh, some shady shit going on? A lot. That's, well, what what is some of it? Um. <clears throat> so... For the third quarter, SCI exceeded their – SCI is the big global company that buys up uh, mom-and-pop funeral homes, and I call them the evil empire. They're the Monsanto of funeral homes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they had over three times what they expected for their third quarter earnings this year, and they're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. What, what's happening? I could tell you. Uh-huh. What is it? I won't. Okay. I want people to be able to hear my podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I know what's going on. It's, uh, yeah, they're rolling in money right now. And um, a lot of people dying. Mm-hmm. All cause mortalities up. Well, like 16% in 2022. We've also got the silver tsunami coming. Oh, the boomers. The boomers are coming. That actually makes me feel better. Yeah. I have been wondering why so many more people are dying this year. It's the yeah. boomers. The it boomers is. are finally starting to die. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Our, our economy. Do they is... listen to you? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> uh, no. Lies. Whoever's listening to this right now, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> and if you're a boomer, I love you, too, and I don't want you to die. That was a joke. We want to have plans for you. We don't want you to die unplanned. Yeah, when you do die, I want you to have a good, beautiful burial. Yes. Uh, but, yeah. I was thinking it was because of COVID and, and COVID-related deaths, yeah. such as, you know, the vaccines killing people and things like that. But um, I don't know that that's actually happening. That was my worry. And the correlation causes concern. I can tell you what my experience was working in death during all of this. Um, 
the people that were having COVID put on the death certificates that I worked with, it was obvious that's what they died of. Okay. But I don't know about other cities. Well, I mean, the hospitals admitted a lot of uh, the deaths were comorbid. Like uh-huh. maybe yeah, somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. had a heart condition and COVID. We're going to get the COVID money, so we're going to write COVID. Like, right. And on top of that, though, the families, too, they didn't know. A lot of families didn't know if somebody died of a heart attack but also had COVID or pneumonia and had COVID. Yeah. They can get reimbursed by the government for the funeral expenses. Wow. Yeah. The reason why I think that the third quarter earnings went up so high is because by then they figured out, okay, the ones that a suspected died of COVID, let's tell the families that the government will reimburse you $7,000. So go ahead and do this. Go ahead and do all of this. Oh, they're the just going to pay you back. Classic insurance. Yeah. Scam. yeah. Not scam, but classic insurance exploitation. I will say that I know of at least three instances that that happened at the corporate funeral home that I worked at in Tacoma when I was there. Yeah. I don't, you know what? I don't think that's horrible. Of all the ways that you could, you know... <laughs> Take advantage of a situation. I think that one's probably the least uh, the morally, least gross way. Yes, morally gross. <laughs> because I don't, I don't know. That may not be true. It sucks to take money from the government when you don't actually need it. But in that case, they kind of need it. And if you if you want to spend the seven thousand dollars and get the fancy stuff, I don't know. I could forgive that for sure. Um, but yeah, did have you done any embalming lately? The last time I embalmed was about three years ago. Okay. Have you heard about these abnormal blood clots? Yes. I've seen, no, I've been in the embalming room within the last year. Ooh, please tell me more. So these, this is something that I am seeing. Um, blood clots were always a thing, but they're kind of stringy. And made of blood, right? Well, yeah, but these. The new ones the clots, aren't all blood, right? They're made of like rubbery shit. I don't know necessarily that it just looked different. Uh, yeah, I read an article that said they I look like cal- calamari. Cal- oh, yeah, that is kind of close. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, they're new. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty gross when you're embalming somebody and a big old clot comes out or, or n- nothing. When you're embalming a body, the whole point is to get the di- distribution of fluid throughout the system. You want the venous system to be working. So if you get a clot, you're supposed to massage the legs or, you know, under the knee, different things like that to kind of get that to move through. Then we have these big old long forceps that go right into the arterial section, you know, up here by your clavicle. They, um, that big vein, that vein, the jugular, huge one. Yeah, oh, right yeah. into your heart. Okay. Wow. So these two big old forceps go in there and we just like clamp and pull, clamp and pull to grab those clots and pull them out. They look like pieces of liver, big chunks yes, coming out. It's disgusting. Ooh. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just want to be buried instead of like poked it and yeah. all that stuff? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> I, yeah, it's crazy, but so yeah, I wonder how it got started, like how that originally became the standard. I can tell you. Oh, I would love to know. All right. So Abe Lincoln died and then they pickled him. But before that. In vinegar? They, <laughs> no, arsenic. Um, but before that, they had the Civil War, right? And so they were trying to figure out, oh, my gosh, how are we going to get all these dead soldiers back home? They're rotting on the trains. This is disgusting. And so they were like, well, let's drain their blood and fill them full of this stuff. And Thomas Holmes was the first embalmer, and he used a mixture of arsenic and formaldehyde and put it through. In they a lead-lined coffin. 
Yeah, they started setting people up on display at the battlegrounds. Embalm their their embalming works. You'd see a dead guy sitting outside the embalming tent. Yeah, displaying his wares. You know, like this is how good I embalm. Wow, that that's yeah. intense. It's nuts. Death was more normalized then, huh? Yeah, because it was still in the home. Uh-huh. You still had funerals happening in the home where the living room is. It used to be the parlor in the home. Now that that's when they call them funeral parlors because they took it out of the home. Oh my so God, that's interesting. The cabinet makers um, made caskets and stuff like that. So it was really the furniture makers that were the funeral homes. So many of the funeral homes out here started as furniture makers. I believe the first funeral home out here was in either Chinook or Ilwaco, and it started as a furniture store. Wow, that's, yeah. a, that's a great fact. That's really awesome. So... Yeah, that's what they did. They kept death at home until they started embalming people. And so then when Abe Lincoln died, they took him on a tour day, tour day death, where they took his body to a bunch of different stops. And every time they stopped, they'd re-embalm him so he looked fresh and fly. That job must have sucked. I know. Can you imagine? That's disgusting. But anyway, <laughs> he looked great, and it became the popular thing. And then they took death out of the home and put it in the funeral homes. And then it became corporate, and then it became very salesy and slick and gross. Is Lenin still in a glass viewing case in he Russia is. somewhere? How how is he embalmed? Um, so my understanding is that they take him out of this case and they just open up the stitching and they re-infuse him. Just drain him out and fill him back up, huh? I guess. At that point, I would think that he would be dry. Uh-huh. Because one thing I've learned is that when you're pumping that much liquid into a body, if you're not sucking it back out, it's going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go out of the body and into the casket. So imagine somebody's buried in a metal casket. Where's that liquid going to go? It's just going to slosh around in the bottom of the casket for all eternity. Mm-hmm. So same thing. I think they have to dry him out. And he may be at a point where they actually do like a dry rub on him or something. Oh, you know what they could do? Polymerization. Yes. Have you been to the bodies exhibit? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. Creepy so there's two different ones. Fuck. There's ones with the Chinese prisoners. And That's then the one I saw. I don't I don't like it either. It's creepy. Yeah. And then what's the other one? Gunther von Hagen. A German guy? Yes. I saw the Chinese one. He's he's the one that started the plastinization process. He's amazing. Um, initially, I signed up to be plastinized, so I hope they don't find my body when I die. You're going to be put into a humiliating position. I know, like probably having sex with somebody. Yeah, <laughs> like, with with you both of your those? calf muscles exploding. I like, know. Oh, my gosh. They're bizarre. The, they are. The, one, the pregnant lady? Yes. Oh, my God. It's wild. The, with the baby inside? Mm-hmm. Um, the lady, the dude holding his brain on top of the horse? Yeah. Yeah. The, the guy playing basketball mm-hmm. looked like he was about to miss a lay-in, easy lay-in. Yeah. Yeah. Humiliating Correct. stuff. But yeah, they they don't really tell you where they got the bodies. Exactly. No. Now, the Gunther von Hagen, his were all ethically sourced, supposedly. However, the Chinese ones, they were all like prisoners of war. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. (laughs) Yes, it is. Also, how do we let that happen? I don't know. Because uh, maybe it's because it's first science in a way and also morbid fascination. Yeah. Like the freak shows. It's like Mm -hmm. modern day freak shows we'll tolerate atrocities if they've already happened and they're not hurting anybody now, but they're still kind of cool to look at. We'll tolerate it. Like um, these bodies exhibits, those people are already dead. They're not hurting anymore. They probably committed some crime. We like, we can rationalize it in our heads and you don't have to think like, you don't have to think about the fact that they're probably recruiting the next round of people right now. 
Like it, mm-hmm. it, most of the time, organizations that will kill you and you know fill your body with plastic and put you on display. Most of the time, those kind of organizations aren't that nice, and they might do it again. Yep. Who knows? I think Gunther von Hagen actually died. I gotta Google that because he mm. was really sick for a while. I wonder if they're gonna plastinize his ass. They fucking better. <laughs> they would have to. That's only fair. Oh yeah. Oh, we don't have internet in here. No yeah, internet. It's, it's, it's I'll a update dead, you. Dead zone. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? Um. Uh, yeah. My yeah. daughter, my four four year old daughter, also wanted me to ask you if you believe in zombies. Hmm. I don't think I believe in zombies yet. I would know if, if we're going to have a zombie apocalypse, funeral directors are definitely going to be the first to know. I asked her if I could change it to, are you concerned about the possibility of zombies? Yes. And she told me, no, you do not change it. Okay. So you don't have to answer that question. Okay. But do you believe in ghosts? Yes, I think so. Have you ever seen one or heard one? So here's, here's the story. Um, I'll tell you one that happened here. And I'll tell you one that happened in Texas. So the one that happened in Texas, there was this foyer set up. So like the building is shaped like a letter C. So on one side of the letter C, you've got the chapel. And on the other side of the letter C, you've got the entryway. And then inside the letter C, you have this garden area with a walkway. So I go from the reception area. I go down this little walkway and I go to check the chapel to make sure the door is locked. And... The light is on because typically in the old funeral homes, you'd keep the light on to let people know you had a body in state. That's just what it is. That's the history of it. You keep a light on. That means you've got somebody in your care. Um, So I go to check the doorknob. And as I'm reaching for the doorknob and I put my hand around it, it starts to turn the opposite way in my hand. And a shadow moves in front of the between the light and the window um, on the door. And it was kind of like. So you can see it under the door. Um, so the door had like the frosted glass. It was a chapel door. Oh, okay. So I could see the light on the inside and I could see a shadow move in and then the doorknob turned in my hand and I sprinted the other direction. I didn't wait to see if somebody was fucking with me or not. But when I got back to the other room, the two coworkers that it could have been were there. So hundred percent feel like that was a spooky yeah. situation. Yeah. I didn't used to believe in them, uh, even though it was... I I kind of did because I've always I was raised to believe that demons are real mm-hmm. and that that's something I should be on the lookout for and concerned about and like make sure not to listen to Ozzy Osbourne because they'll possess my soul and things like that. Like I was really emphasized that you be on the lookout for demons, yeah. but at the same time, like don't be ridiculous. Ghosts aren't real. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's counterintuitive if you believe in demons. But um, but yeah, religious. I was we grew up really religious, yeah. so I I never really gave much thought to it. And I was always kind of just like, well, even if ghosts are real, I don't need to be afraid because I'll just, you know, scare them away with Jesus, which I still do (laughs) and uh, use the old demon get away here, out of here trick (laughs) Uh, works on ghosts as well. And um, but I I, as I've kind of gotten older and been more open to listening to other people's anecdotes, especially their more spooky and confusing ones that don't make a whole lot of sense. I have come around to where I kind of think that there is a possibility that. It's legit and that there is some kind of energetic transfer that happens when you die that is it's either. I mean, you can think about it like your soul leaving your body or you can think about it like going into limbo or or purgatory or anything like that or just on some interdimensional line that we can't always see. But like I, I feel like there's a reason that little kids and old people and people who are just waking up or just falling asleep see more ghosts. 
because you're entering that that right frequency mm-hmm. where you're susceptible and uh, open to it. Like you're kind of like uh, x-rays. You can't see my bones unless you look with x-rays because right. that's just not the right frequency. So I think it has to do with that. And when you get on that right wavelength, I, I think it's completely reasonable to think that there's entities that might exist that we could communicate with, mm-hmm. especially once you've done psychedelics and you sense entities and energies and energies with personalities that you are pretty damn sure are real. And you're you're realizing that everything is a lot more confusing than everyone thinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For real. So the local story, I was working at a funeral home and I thought it was actually Jeff's dad. I thought I heard Jeff's dad call my name from the other side of the funeral home. And I go to look and he's not there. And I go to look and his car's not there. And I go back to what I'm doing. And 10 minutes later, I hear him again. Spooky. And I never told him that. Oh, that's creepy. I know. His disembodied voice is haunting the funeral home he once owned. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Right? Yeah. All right, guys. It's the it's the version of him that died long ago. His innocence. Yes. <laughs> After seeing that much death, does that affect your mental health and oh, your ability to just be happy? Oh uh, yeah, it absolutely does. My career has caused me CPTSD, mm-hmm. as well as the people that I've worked for, the trauma that I've seen, um, and some of the things that I've seen employers put families and loved ones through. You just and not being able to fight back because those are the people that write your checks. So yeah, you seem like a person who feels deeply, deeply, and yeah. that that seems like it might be on one hand a benefit and a major asset because of the communication it provides with people who are grieving, but mm-hmm. on the other side of that coin, it seems like a vulnerability that you don't have a lot of control over. Totally, has that it caused you problems? A lot, yeah. Oh man, um, when I first moved to Washington and suddenly had health insurance which I hadn't had when I started a company. And the last company I left in Texas was a company that I had started and wasn't smart enough to get my name on the paperwork. So the person with the money had all their name on the paperwork and I had to walk away from it because I wasn't being paid fairly. And I knew I wanted to be in this part of the country anyway. So where was I going with that? Um, I don't remember, I asked the question too. Oh yeah, I, basically what I was getting at is, does it make you depressed? Do you get depressed yes. from having to be around death? Yeah. Yeah, totally. All the time. Um, So, yeah, I got here with insurance and was put on all these different mood stabilizers. Oh, yeah. We love them out here. Oh, yeah. And I've been on a myriad of mood stabilizers (laughs) over and over. And I finally have just gotten out of this funk since being like, I'm not doing it the way anybody has told me to do it anymore. I'm going to do the way it is right. And everything has just fallen into place since then. Yeah, it feels good. You're Mm -hmm. trusting the universe to just lay the path for you. Yeah. That I really think that's the only way to be happy is to ju- you have to kind of just let go, mm-hmm. let go of the of the illusion of control that we have any control over what happens to us in our life. And at the same time, take some agency in um, understanding where you want to go, set the intention and then just let it ride and do do the best you can without putting too much emphasis on the end. Yeah, because that's trying to second guess yourself all the time and that kind of stuff is never going to end well. Very true. Well, when I uh, when we first made this plan to do the podcast, what did you plan on talking about? I wanted to tell you about all the new options available in death care and then 
to kind of use this as an announcement. I didn't intend on it initially, but might as well use it as an announcement that I'm doing a not-for-profit funeral home and conservation burial park in Pacific County. I think that's so cool. Thank you. And it's much needed. Anything that's going to build community, I think, especially out here, is important. I feel a genuine lack of community uh, everywhere I go. Like people, in the way that we've gotten so much more connected digitally, Mm -hmm. people have had less of a necessity for actual human connection. And a lot of it has disappeared. Like you can survive without ever having to see people anymore. And a lot of people do. Yeah. And I think that they're they're suffering without even realizing that that's why. Oh, 110%. Yeah. Well, I think that we are getting close to around two hours. Sweet. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to cover before we wrap this thing up? Let's see. Okay. So we covered the water cremation. It's eco-friendly. Oh, yeah. The other thing about the water cremation, it will reverse the algae blooms. Oh, that's great. So like when everybody's getting upset that we can't go clamming. Yeah. Come on, let's go dump some of this stuff. Harmful demoic <laughs> acid from the algae blooms. How does it reverse the algae blooms? So you can set the pH neutrality with glycolic acid and it can be dispersed into the ocean to fight algae blooms. Oh, it's um, pH neutral. Yeah. The neutrality, you can adjust it to make it fight. I'm going to get a scientist involved. Um, her name is Sam, and she's from BioResponse Solution. I'm going to do a little interview with her and make it an interview that I can share with the community so they can understand the difference and what it can do in fighting fires and also in reversing the algae blooms. That's really cool. Yeah. It, it, I'm not sure if it's because of acidification or because it's too alkaline that the algae blooms. It, I'm not sure. I don't know enough about Either. algae blooms, but I imagine that... It would have an effect over time. That'd be pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, because the algae blooms are a major problem. And, it, and they're not going to go away as long as we continue the way we grow food. Yeah. We're pumping fertilizer into the ocean mm-hmm. and into our, all of our lakes and rivers. Yep. And that's going to grow plants like algae. Well, I want you to think about another thing, too, about how many people are cremated a day in a big city. I don't how know. How much emissions are going up. So our cremation machines, when we were in the, you know, in regular going, we do about five cremations per machine per 24 hours. Wow. And, and how many machines was that? Two machines at the last one I worked at. The one before that, they had three machines. There's one place in this area. Most of the places in this area have one machine each. But when you think about how much carbon is going out into the air with every flame cremation, why would you want your last act on earth to be detrimental? Yeah. You could also harness that heat energy and make like a a steam engine. We should. Do something with it. We've pa- got to do Power something. your house with the heat. Yeah. Or heat your house. Yeah. You know, or heat the funeral home. There you go. Something. <laughs> well, it seems it like a put waste. solar powers on, solar panels on it, have the crematory heat it. <laughs> There's a lot of fun innovation that you could do when you're like starting something now. Like yep. in this time with all the technology that we have available, yep. it, there's a, just, you could take it so many different places. I'm looking forward to see what happens with this. It's going to be cool. Come back when you're a little bit farther along in the process and let us know how it's going. Absolutely. I'll bring the documentary person too. Yeah. So what's the documentary? The documentary is about uh, the death care industry. They reached out to me a little over a year ago in my Instagram DMs and wanted to know the ins and outs. And I was like, look, I'm playing it straight. I'm working for a corporate funeral home right now. I'm I'm just going to just now tell you who to talk to and that's it. And then they really wanted my story about everything that I've been doing about educating people on their options. And now it's going to be a big thing. There's big people involved with it that I can't wait to tell you about. 
and it's going to show all the different forms of disposition and how some states have fought to keep families from having the right to choose. Wow. Cool. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be good. All right. One more time. Tell people where to find you. Melissa. I am Melissa. I am online, Instagram, and TikTok at the underscore modern underscore mortician. I'm also themodernmortician at gmail.com, or the website is themodernmortician.com, but the nonprofit takeoff project is theend.green. Theend.green. Yep. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ramble by the River. If you did, it really helps us out if you leave us a rating or a review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you want to get more involved and support the show, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for exclusive content, bonus episodes, and a Ramble by the River t-shirt with every Royal Rambler subscription after three months. Instructions for how to join are at ramblebytheriver.com. Click the subscribe link. And it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week. Bye. Can't nobody take me here.